Well, good morning. Anybody excited for Come and See Sunday? I know I am, man. Good time. So as my best good friend, Pastor Kim, mentioned, I, I have the incredible privilege of serving here as the associate pastor. My name is Pete. And if this is your first time with us or the first time in a long time, following service this morning, my wife, myself, Pastor Randy, some of our leadership team will be in Guest Central. We'd love to shake your hand, answer any questions you have about the church, and just welcome you. Can we tell our first-time guests how much we love and appreciate them being here with us this morning? Nearly every time I speak, I take a few sentences and I share how blessed I feel like we are to have Pastor Randy as our lead pastor. Uh, it, it could be misinterpreted as empty platitudes, but if you know what's going on in the world right now and you realize how hard pastors that are committed to Scripture are committed to the truth of Scripture and are unwilling to waver, we are so, so blessed. Let him know how much you love him. Pastor Randy, I think he's actually in the kids' wing, but if he was here, I'd say, I love you, your church loves you, God is doing something incredible, and the best is yet to come. Amen, church? Let him know how much you love him. Uh, this was an exciting weekend in the Gelat House, because my youngest child, my daughter Zoe, she turned six. I'm biased, but she's perfect. <laughs> Takes after her mother. Uh, but, now, we do not, for context, we don't, we don't have a child-centered home. We have a parent-centered home, and our lives don't revolve around our children. Um, however, on their birthdays and the day in which they celebrate their birthday, we bless them, we honor them, we celebrate them, and we spoil them. It's just part of how we do life, and our kids work hard, so we play hard too. Uh, the problem is, Zoe realized this, and so she pulled Jessica aside last week. She said, Mom, can I tell you something? And Jessica gulped and said, yes, sure. She said, Mom, honestly, my fourth birthday party, it wasn't very good. She said, uh, Jessica says, Zoe, are you being fresh? She said, no, no, I'm not being fresh. But mom, this is now my sixth birthday party. And everything, it just, it has to be perfect. She's six. She talks a lot. Got a lot of sass. She talks too much. I have no idea where she gets that from. <laughs> As you all know, I'm the, I'm the quiet one. Right? <laughs> So we plan this party, create the party. The invitation is so important, right? Jess and Zoe, uh, they pick the decorations, the activities, the guest list, get everything just right. The day of her birthday, Zoe tells mom, she says, look, I know you get up first thing in the morning to read your Bible, but you should probably get up earlier just to make sure everything's perfect. <laughs> the morning of her birthday at 3 a.m., 3 a.m., she comes in our bedroom. Jessica is knocked out. She's got the, she wears an eye mask, a leopard eye mask, one ear plug in, head sideways, drool. She's knocked out. You look beautiful when you sleep, though, baby. I'm, I'm lying. And Zoe comes into our bedroom, 3 a.m., 
True story. Pokes Jessica. Bing, bing, bing. Says, good morning. It's my birthday. And the birthday girl would like some snuggles. <laughs> if, she, if she had asked for breakfast, Jess might have killed her. But, but she was totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Uh, blessing her with some snuggles. So... What's interesting about this story is, for me, transparently, I'm fine with Zoe telling us exactly what she wants. Zoe, just, I don't know what to do, so just tell me what you want. I can handle that. I can process that. Let me know what you want me to do, where you want me to go, how, sh- how I should act. I can, I can do this. Ladies, can I just tell you, every man in this room would echo this sediment. Tell us what you want. It's a holiday. Tell us what you want. Birthdays, tell us what you want. <laughs> we know that we should know what you want. But, but we don't know what you want. We know that we should know what you want. And, and we, know, we want you to know that we don't know what it is that we should know that we know you want from us. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> let him finish. Let him finish. <laughs> just tell us. My heart's in the right place. I want to do the right thing. Just tell me what to do. I want you to hold that thought. Anyways, tomorrow is the actual birthday party, so please pray for me. I'm, I'm nervous. Last week, Pastor Randy shared, he spoke and shared that one morning we would wake up and that the title of the newspaper would say that Christ had returned. And we are literally watching biblical prophecy play out before our eyes. The Bible predicting exactly what we're seeing taking place. And a poll was done in 2020. And the poll asked this question. If you knew that Christ was coming back in the next year, what would you do differently? What would you change? The number one response given, the number one response by far given was I would share my faith. I would share my faith. The challenging thing is statistically, somewhere between 97 and 95% of Christians have never successfully led someone to Christ. Now, before you think that this is going to be a message where I'm going to make you feel guilty because you're not sharing your faith and you're going to leave all depressed, that couldn't be farther from the truth. I don't believe that people struggle to share their faith because they don't care. I think they struggle to share their faith because we're just not sure how. Where do I start? What do I say? What if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? And this morning, this is the most practical, simplistic message on sharing your faith that I have ever given personally. And I've preached on it a lot of times. But I feel like God put this on my heart. And this morning, I know your heart is right. I know you want to reach those that are around you for Christ. So I'm just going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Now, because I love you, and I do love you, I'm going to start by giving you three things that you should avoid when it comes to sharing the gospel. Three things to avoid. Here we go. The first one is this. Don't use religious verbiage. You see, I was once dead to sin, and a giant chasm separated me from Christ, but Christ laid a cross across the chasm, and now I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. (laughs) Don't do that. 
Nobody's going to want to join your cult. <laughs> be relational. Be conversational. Be normal. Don't be a weirdo. Okay, the second thing not to do. Don't exaggerate or glorify your past life. Man, my life was incredible. I had money, fame, women, and you know, I just I gave it all up for Jesus. Just suffering for Jesus. I carry the old rugged cross every day. But one day I'll get to heaven. What frustrates me so much about it glorifying your past or exaggerating it is when you glorify your past, it implies that what God has for us isn't better. And everything that God has for you is for your greater good. I'm going to say it again. Everything that God is calling us to is for our greater good. Sin is killing us and God's trying to protect us. Sin is only fun for a season. The wages of sin, Scripture says, is death. So quit before payday. I don't look back at my high school years and say to myself, you know, I wish I had been more sexually promiscuous. I, I wish I had given away my wedding present on prom night. No. No, I'm blessed that I had parents that raised me right. It called me to sexual purity before God, regardless of what culture said. I had people in my school make fun of me for it. They're like, wait, you're a, you're a Christian. You guys can't have sex till you're like 17, right? How does that work? No, but I knew what God was calling me to was for my greater good. You're not missing out on anything. I'm going to say that again. Youth, listen to me. You're not missing out on anything. God has good in store for you. Yeah. <laughs> Philippians 3, 8. I'm going to turn this a little bit more. Paul writing says, What's, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I love how the message shares this verse. It's like this. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung. And before you think that the Message Bible took this out of context, the Greek word is animal excrement. You're not holding on to animal excrement. That's generally something we try to get rid of. Can I get an amen? I don't have dogs. All right. Pastor Kim loves dogs. I don't get it, but I love her. So, all right. The third thing I see very common people do, don't be informational, be relational. Don't talk at them. Talk to them. Listen. Let them speak. Respond. It's called active listening. Have a conversation. We are so committed and attached to these devices that a lot of people have no idea how to actually communicate. When my kids go to a restaurant, my six, eight, and 10-year-old look the waitress or waiter in the eye and order their meal, the waitresses are stunned. How have you achieved this? Because we are working to teach our kids to communicate. Communicate, listen, respond. One of the most valuable things you can give someone is your time. You ever have a conversation with somebody 
And they're talking and 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 talking. And you're in one story and then all of a sudden you're in another story. And you're like, doesn't this person have to take a breath? Like at some point, you want to slowly raise your hand? Be like, hey, do I need to be here for this? Because you talk, 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 talk. Why is my wife pointing at me from behind? That seems a little bit odd. All right, I'm going to give you one more bonus. It's not on my list here, but I'm going to help you. Here it is. You ready? Don't be weird. Don't stand in downtown Frederick with a bullhorn. You're all going to hell. You're old. It's coming soon for you. Don't do that. And please, if you do do that, don't tell them you go to FCF Church. <laughs> tell them you go to New Life or somewhere else. I'm kidding. I love you, Pastor Abe. You're watching. <laughs> Don't be weird. I was telling Pastor Randy, we were talking about this. He said, Pete, you know the problem with this one. I'm like, what? He said, well, most people that are weird, they don't know that they're weird. I was reading a stat that says that one in three people, one in three people is weird. Odd in some way. Look, look at your left. Now look at your right. See, weird people don't know that they're weird. So if that person looks normal, and that person seems normal, chances are... Be relational. Don't be informational. All right. I'm going to give you three simple steps to take in communicating your hope, communicating the faith that we have found in Christ. We're going to start in Matthew 9. Turn there with me if you brought your Bible. Verse 9 says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, tax collectors were viewed as dishonest people. They would overtax and keep the money for themselves. So they were seen as pretty nefarious people. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, he's at his house, many tax collectors, and what is it? Came and ate with him and his disciples. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They don't even ask Jesus, they ask his disciples. Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. Some who profess to be Christ followers work really hard to try to distance themselves from everyone who isn't? I've even seen people get upset because they find that there's nobody at their work that's a Christian. Why do you think God has you there? there you are the plan. You get frustrated. You try to distance yourself. But look, that's not the way of Jesus. Second story I want to look at, in case you think this is a one-time occurrence. Sorry, camera guy, get a little head fake there. Are you doing all right? You're doing awesome. Yes. <laughs> You're awesome. Give it up for Bree on the camera. You're fantastic. <laughs> First time running it. This is a story of a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief 
tax collector. And he was, he was a shorter guy, vertically challenged, we'll call him. And he climbs a tree so he can see Jesus. Does anyone remember that old song? I wasn't sure. Yeah? Zacchaeus was a... Okay, all right, all right. I wasn't sure. Bless my soul. Somebody got mad at me after first service, and they said, uh, you had that song in my head the whole time. I was trying to listen to the message. But. When the Pharisees saw this, excuse me, here we go. Luke 19, 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. He literally invites himself to his house. Verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus repents, says he'll give things back. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's a part of the family of God. That's what this is saying. For the son of man came to and the Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. The first step in reaching and sharing your faith is to invite them in. Invite them into your life. Everyone has influence. Think right now, different marker points in your life where someone had an impact on your life, where they influenced you, whether it be positively or negatively. I know there's people in this room that got involved with the wrong people, were influenced by the wrong people, and you made decisions that you'll regret for the rest of your life. Influence pays, plays such a role in what we do you may not be able to reach everyone, but everyone can reach someone. Everyone can reach someone. Who are you influencing? Invite them in. 1 Corinthians 19. This is the Message Bible as well. It says it this way. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. See, some people swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. I'm going to go to the bar and get drunk with my unsaved friends and win them for Jesus. No. You're going to ruin your witness. No. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world. And I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Invite them in. Do you know what one of the easiest ways to invite them in is? Invite them to church. I mean, this is the first step. It's such a simple step. I, I want to do a, a little survey here real quick. How many of you came to church at some point in your life because someone invited you. Go ahead and stick your hand up. Hold them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. You came to church. Keep them up. You came to church because someone invited you. Let me ask you this. Keep them up. Keep them up. 
How many of you believe that you're a Christ follower right now because someone invited you to church? Look at this. The impact of an invite. Get in the game. Get involved. Invite. Invite them in. It's the very first step. So I played uh, high school football. Now, I wasn't, um, I wasn't big enough. I wasn't fast enough. wasn't athletic enough. But I was a body. And so I, I, I played varsity my freshman year, and I was a 50-50 player. Now, what you probably think that means is that um, I played 50% of the time. No, I, I played when we were 50 points up or 50 points down. <laughs> I did get a half sack on Michael Vick, and that is a true story, and there's video of it. <laughs> story for another day. But I remember, this is, this is 100% true. We had white jerseys, Phoebus High School, P-H-O-E-B-U-S. <laughs> we did our whole thing. During warm-ups, I'd be moving around a little bit, and I would, I would try to get a little bit of dirt. <laughs> I would be on the sideline, and my, my, my jersey, we, we, had, we had white pants or, or gold pants and, and blue and white jerseys. And my, I, I looked so clean. Everybody could tell I wouldn't get any playing time. So if I got a second, I'd just, you know, try, try to fall a little bit, put a little dirt on. To make it look like I was in the game. Look, get in the game. Get involved. Invite them in. We are no threat to the devil as a smiling church attender. You're not changing anything. Invite them to church. You see how many people in this room were impacted because someone invited them to church. Our corporate witness has incredible power. When I've invited people to church, I invite people all the time, and I don't even tell them I'm on staff. I just disappear for a couple minutes. I'm like, what? Invite them. Offer to pick them up. Get them here. When I have invited people to church, this is common responses that I get. And some of you that have invited people know this. You know, I've been thinking about coming to church. You know, I've, or I've been looking for a church. My wife was talking to somebody. Last week, she asked them about church, and they're like, you know, I, I know I should be in church. And they came to church the next week. My favorite is when you ask them, and they look kind of like irritated a little bit. I'm like, what, 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 what's going on? I said, well, you're like the fifth person to invite me to church this week. <laughs> Apparently God's trying to tell me something. <laughs> Never underestimate the role you play, play in moving someone towards Christ. Invite them in. It's the first step. The second step is this. Lead with love. The challenge that we face is that the wider the gap gets between culture and Christianity, the, the, the bigger the divide between the way of Jesus and the way of the world, the harder it is for us to communicate. But love is a language that everyone understands. And Christ, our creator, is the author of love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, come on, he who does not love doesn't know God because God is, what is it? 
love. It literally hurts me. It, it physically pains me when I hear someone that's professing to be a Christ follower say, you know, I love God. I just hate people. Ugh. That may look funny on a t-shirt, but it's not biblical. You ever wonder how people will know whether or not you're a Christ follower? Whether or not they can tell if you're a disciple? John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, when an author or a communicator wants to make a point, they'll say what they want to say over and over again. So in order to make the point, they're going to say it or repeat it, or they'll repeat it and then they'll say it. And they'll say it again to repeat it to make sure you're paying attention to what they're trying to say to make the point. They'll repeat what they're going to say. Do you see what I'm getting at here? I want you to help me. A new commandment I give you. You can do better than that. A new commandment I give you. One another. As I have you, so you must. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you. And I just, I grow weary of hearing Christians say that the world isn't looking for God. Sure they are. People are following rituals. They're kneeling on mats. They're, they're lighting candles. They're flying planes into building, doing everything they can to try to get God's attention. They're looking for purpose and meaning and belonging, and they're frustrated. They're saying, God, I can't hear you. Why can't I find you? And they don't think that God loves them because at times it seems like the church doesn't love them. And he is calling us to lead with love. By this, they will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. The first investment property that Jessica <laughs> and I ever purchased um, was in a place called Wilmington, Delaware. Beautiful area. It was a disaster. I don't recommend it, and we lived in it. And my father-in-law is here this morning and allowed me to stay married to my wife, in the, even though I put her in that environment. Would you thank him for me? I love you, Pop. You're the best. There is, we, we're like, hey, come look at our house. We bought a house. And there is video footage of this. He walks in the house, and the camera goes like this at the floor, and then it's just upside down the entire time. He's just walking around, all the footage upside down. I'm in this house, and I smell smoke. I'm on the main floor. Now, a 1918 farmhouse is basically a tinderbox already. The wood is good and dry. And I smell smoke, so I run upstairs to the upstairs, and I don't smell it up there. I go to the basement. I can't smell it in the basement. And as I get closer to the front of the house, I, I feel like I can smell it coming from outside. So I go into our front porch, and I look about five houses up, and I can see smoke coming out of the back of a two-story colonial house. So I run, run up the, the, the street towards this house. I get to the edge of the property, and I step into this family's life. Step onto their grass, and then I run up onto the, the porch, and as I reach for his doorknob, this tall gentleman bursts through the door, face covered in soot, smoke everywhere, and he says, I can't put it out. I can't put it out. Can you call 911? 
And one of my, the other neighbors comes at the same time and he calls 911. And this gentleman is so panicked, he can't figure out what to do. I says, anyone else in there? He says, no. He starts to thank me. Thanks for helping me. Like, what can I do? I'm like, I'm not doing very much. But he could tell that my motivation was love. And he knew his house was on fire and he would take all the help he could get. But here's the challenge that we face. Most people don't realize that the house is on fire. They're in the kitchen, cutting vegetables for dinner. They're in the study, finishing up work. They're in the living room watching TV. All the while, their house is on fire. They have no idea. So we have to step into their life in love. We have to lead with love. He could have said, how dare you get off my property? Who do you think you are? But love bridges the gap. Love bridges the gap. I was talking with Pastor Kim about this concept. She was, she was out on Monday. She wasn't feeling good. But I love you, and I'm glad that you're back. Isn't she awesome? Let her know how awesome she is. My best good friend. And I'm... A, <laughs> I'm a verbal processor. Tiffany, get them under control. I'm a verbal processor, and so I talk out loud. Anybody else, you're a verbal processor? Yeah, our friends hate us. It's the worst. And I'm talking through my message, part of my message with, with, uh, with Pastor Kim, and out of my mouth comes this phrase. If love is what they see, they will listen to what you say. It's not your job to prove the existence of God. It's your job to share and show the love of God. We have to lead with love. Invite them in. Lead with love. So you're saying, okay, Pastor Pete, I'm, I'm going I'm to get around the right people and I'm, I'm going to invite them in and I'm, I'm going to lead with love. But I still, I have, I have no idea what to say. What am I going to say? I, I don't have theological knowledge like you, Pastor Kim, Pastor Randy. What, like, what am I going to tell them? The third point Share your story. Just share your story. Don't be churchy. Don't be weird. Be real. Don't preach at them. Talk to them. Well, you know that sin is a willful transgression of a known law of God and your transgression. Don't do that. Talk to them. Have a conversation. I love that, you know, can I tell you about someone that's really important in my life? Can I tell you what Christ did for me? One of Pastor Randy's favorites is if you could see what my life was like before Christ and what my life is like now. Some are resistant to faith, but they'll listen to your story. You might say, you know, I, Pastor Pete, you don't understand. I don't have a story. I don't have a good testimony. You don't have to have a garage full of meth to have a testimony. Don't exaggerate your past. I lived in the ghetto, man. It was crazy. It was the thug life for me. Didn't know where my next meal was coming from. You lived in Middletown and wore $300 shoes. You're not. <laughs> for me, personally, I was raised in a Christian home. But there was a point when I looked at everything that was created and I said, there has to be more than this. We weren't created for for no reason. We didn't come from nothing for no reason. There's purpose. There's the fingerprints of a designer. Maybe for you, 
You look at your nine to five and your, your, your grind of a life and you think there has to be more to life than this. This isn't it. Maybe you've achieved a level of success and you thought that it would satisfy you. You thought that it would make you feel good and you realized that there's nothing there. It's empty and void, chasing the wind, Solomon calls it. Maybe you journeyed through something incredibly challenging. It was one of the most difficult things you've ever been through in your life. But in that hardship, Christ met you right there. Like, I don't know what your story is, but write it down and share it. Because your story should lead to his story. Can I tell you what Christ did for me? This is what God is calling us to. Acts 4.20, the disciples say, we can't but speak the things we have seen and heard. The apostle Paul, arguably the greatest apostle, schooled in the ways of the Romans and the Greeks, gifted orator, order, written more New Testament books than anyone else. Do you know how this theologian would introduce himself to people? He would share his faith by sharing his story. I persecuted Christians. This is who I was. You, you, you be a witness, Scripture says. Be a witness. That's what Paul was commissioned to do by Ananias. Be a witness. Do you know what a witness does? You just say what you saw. Now, if you're called into court, traffic court one day, you witness an accident and, and you got to give testimony for what you've seen, you don't have to explain the internal combustion engine. You don't have to explain how brake rotors work or why your car overheats because you didn't put oil in it. You just, you tell them what you saw. Now, now we think that you should Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed and correctly handles Scripture, the word of truth. Like, we want you to learn theology. Come to the Bible Institute. Get the teaching moments every morning. But don't ever let that be the reason that you don't share what Christ did for you. Be a witness. Be a witness. I'm going to end by showing you one of my favorite passages. I just love this passage. There's so much in it that I could share. I don't have time to go full theological exegesis on it, but I'm going to show you a couple things that really impact me about it. It's a story from John 9. It's of a man that was born blind, and there's all this argument. Was it his fault or his parents' fault? And the Pharisees try to pin him down and get him to deny Christ and say that he's a sinner, and, and this man can't. They go to his parents, and his parents can't. That's where we pick up. They bring the man back in a second time. The Pharisees come to him, and they say, a second time they summons the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He healed him on the Sabbath. Verse 25, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know I once was blind, but now I see. So, some verses, you got to preach. Some verses, they just preach themselves. 
God, I'll be your witness. I once was blind, but now I see. You weren't going to change this man's mind. I can tell you for me, you will never change my mind on Christ because he happened to me. I've seen the fruit of living this life his way. I've seen all that the world has to offer, and I'll never look back. If nobody goes, God, I'm following you every day of my life, forever. We have a ton of new people coming to FCF. In first service, we ran out of seats. Last week, going into our second service, we had a row of first-time guests from the guest central counter out the front doors of the church. It was awesome. God is doing something so... Yeah, you got... There's lots of people that are new to FCF, and you probably don't know this, so I want to show you something. Everything that I'm sharing is the reason that FCF Church exists. This is our logo. And to you, it may just be a chevron. But for us, this says that everything that we do points towards God and moves us towards God. The mission of FCF Church is to help people reach their full redemptive potential in Christ. I, I kind of lied to you, though. That's not actually our logo. This is. Because not only does everything we do point towards God, but our mission is to bring others with us. We're not supposed to do this alone. And if we could, golly, if we could hear the heart of God, He'd be saying, FCF Church, Seek and save those who are far from me. If you're looking for a church that is aimed at entertaining Christians, you've come to the wrong place. We're going to provide the best possible ministries we can. But the main thing for FCF Church is that we take others with us. That we seek and save the lost. If we could hear the heart of Christ, that's what we would hear. Maybe you need to go home and write your testimony out. What does that look like? What is your story? Before we close, I'm going to invite you to do something. If your heart is, God, I want you to use me. I'm going to invite them in. I'm going to lead with love, and I'm going to share my story. I'm going to invite people in. I'm going to be your hands and feet and lean in love. And I'm going to share my story. If that's you, if that's your heart, and I don't, I, I'm completely comfortable, I know there's people, this, this isn't who you are, and that's okay. It, we're glad that you're here. But if this is you, you'd say, no, I, I want to lead with love. I, I want to be God's hands and feet. I want him to use me to reach people who are far from him. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up right now. On the seat that's behind you is a, a stack of five cards. Go ahead and grab that and pull it out. I missed that, Josh. I'm not sure where it is. Stick it on the screen if you can find it. It looks like that. 
These cards are an invite to come and see Sunday. One of the easiest ways to invite someone into your life is to invite them to church, and we are going to make it as easy as possible. On the back of that card, there is a QR code. And if you scan this with your phone, it'll take them right to the video. On the front is the date and the information. And I believe, I am crazy enough to believe that one of these cards has the ability to change someone's life forever. Our lead pastor tells a story of how someone handed him a track and the way his heart responded to that track, he, he was so hurt by that. God used that moment to change his life forever. So I'm going to ask you, if you're going to give these cards, but there's five of them, and Pastor Kim is smart, she said one in four people will respond to an invite. You got one extra. If you're going to give these cards away, I'm going to invite you to hold them up. And we're going to pray over them right now. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would be your hands and feet. God, that you would use us to reach the world around us. That people would come and see. Come and see what they've done in our life, what you've done in our life, what you're doing. God, we want to invite them in. We want to lead with love. We want to share our story. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Give God praise. He's worthy.